section fifty four of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven continued minor poets of the victorian age elizabeth barrett among the minor poets of the past century elizabeth barrett mrs browning occupies perhaps the highest place in popular favor she was born at coxhoe hall near durham in eighteen o six but her childhood and early youth were spent in herefordshire among the malvern hills made famous by piers plowman in eighteen thirty five the barrett family moved to london where elizabeth gained a literary reputation by the publication of the seraphim and other poems eighteen thirty eight then illness and the shock caused by the tragic death of her brother in eighteen forty placed her frail life in danger and for six years she was confined to her own room the innate strength and beauty of her spirit here showed itself strongly in her daily study her poetry and especially in her interest in the social problems which sooner or later occupied all the victorian writers my mind to me a kingdom is might well have been written over the door of the room where this delicate invalid worked and suffered in loneliness and in silence in eighteen forty four miss barrett published her poems which though somewhat impulsive and overwrought met with remarkable public favor such poems as the cry of the children which voices the protest of humanity against child labor appealed tremendously to the readers of the age and this young woman's fame as a poet temporarily overshadowed that of tennyson and browning indeed as late as eighteen fifty when wordsworth died she was seriously considered for the position of poet laureate which was finally given to tennyson a reference to browning in lady geraldine's courtship is supposed to have first led the poet to write to miss barrett in eighteen forty five soon afterwards he visited the invalid they fell in love almost at first sight and the following year against the wishes of her father who was evidently a selfish old tyrant browning carried her off and married her the exquisite romance of their love is reflected in mrs browning's sonnets from the portuguese eighteen fifty this is a noble and inspiring book of love poems and stedman regards the opening sonnet i thought once how theocritus had sung as equal to any in our language for fifteen years the brownings lived an ideally happy life at pisa and at casaguidi florence sharing the same poetical ambitions and love was the greatest thing in the world how do i love thee let me count the ways i love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace i love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight i love thee freely as men strive for right i love thee purely as they turn from praise i love thee with the passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith i love thee with a love i seemed to lose with my lost saints i love thee with the breath smiles tears of all my life 
and if god choose i shall but love thee better after death mrs browning entered with whole-souled enthusiasm into the aspirations of italy in its struggle against the tyranny of austria and her casa guidi windows eighteen fifty one is a combination of poetry and politics both it must be confessed a little too emotional in eighteen fifty six she published aurora Leigh, a novel in verse having for its hero a young social reformer and for its heroine a young woman poetical and enthusiastic who strongly suggests elizabeth barrett herself it emphasizes in verse precisely the same moral and social ideals which dickens and george eliot were proclaiming in all their novels her last two volumes were poems before congress eighteen sixty and last poems published after her death she died suddenly in eighteen sixty one and was buried in florence browning's famous line o lyric love half angel and half bird may well apply to her frail life and aerial spirit rossetti dante gabriel rossetti eighteen twenty eight eighteen eighty two the son of an exiled italian painter and scholar was distinguished both as a painter and as a poet he was a leader of the pre-raphaelite movement note this term which means simply italian painters before raphael is generally applied to an artistic movement in the middle of the nineteenth century the term was first used by a brotherhood of german artists who worked together in the convent of san isodoro in rome with the idea of restoring art to its medieval purity and simplicity the term now generally refers to a company of seven young men dante gabriel rossetti and his brother william william holman hunt john everett millay james collinson frederick george stevens and thomas woolner who formed the pre-raphaelite brotherhood in england in eighteen forty eight their official literary organ was called the germ in which much of the early work of morris and rossetti appeared they took for their models the early italian painters who they declared were simple sincere and religious their purpose was to encourage simplicity and naturalness in art and literature and one of their chief objects in the face of doubt and materialism was to express the wonder reverence and awe which characterizes medieval art in its return to the mysticism and symbolism of the medieval age this pre-raphaelitism suggests the contemporary oxford or tractarian movement in religion End of note and published in the first numbers of the germ his hand and soul a delicate prose study and his famous the blessed damoiselle beginning the blessed damoiselle leaned out from the gold bar of heaven her eyes were deeper than the depth of waters stilled at even she had three lilies in her hand and the stars in her hair were seven these two early works especially the blessed damoiselle with its simplicity and exquisite spiritual quality are characteristic of the ideals of the pre-raphaelites 
in eighteen sixty after a long engagement rossetti married elizabeth siddle a delicate beautiful english girl whom he has immortalized both in his pictures and in his poetry she died two years later and rossetti never entirely recovered from the shock at her burial he placed in her coffin the manuscripts of all his unpublished poems and only at the persistent demands of his friends did he allow them to be exhumed and printed in eighteen seventy the publication of his volume of love poems created a sensation in literary circles and rossetti was hailed as one of the greatest of living poets in eighteen eighty one he published his ballads and sonnets a remarkable volume containing among other poems the confession modeled after browning the ballad of sister helen founded on a medieval superstition the king's tragedy a masterpiece of dramatic narrative and the house of life a collection of one hundred and one sonnets reflecting the poet's love and loss this last collection deserves to rank with mrs browning's sonnets from the portuguese and with shakespeare's sonnets as one of the three great cycles of love poems in our language it has been well said that both rossetti and morris paint pictures as well in their poems as on their canvases and this pictorial quality of their verse is its chief characteristic morris william morris eighteen thirty four eighteen ninety six is a most interesting combination of literary man and artist in the latter capacity as architect designer and manufacturer of furniture carpets and wall paper and as founder of the kelmscott press for artistic printing and bookbinding he has laid us all under an immense debt of gratitude from boyhood he had steeped himself in the legends and ideals of the middle ages and his best literary work is wholly medieval in spirit the earthly paradise eighteen sixty eight eighteen seventy is generally regarded as his masterpiece this delightful collection of stories in verse tells of a roving band of vikings who are wrecked on the fabled island of atlantis and who discover there a superior race of men having the characteristics of ideal greeks the vikings remain for a year telling stories of their own northland and listening to the classic and oriental tales of their hosts morris's interest in icelandic literature is further shown by his sigurd the volsung an epic founded upon one of the old sagas and by his prose romances the house of the wolfings the story of the glittering plain and the roots of the mountains later in life he became deeply interested in socialism and two other romances the dream of john ball and news from nowhere are interesting as modern attempts at depicting an ideal society governed by the principles of moore's utopia swinburne algernon charles swinburne eighteen thirty seven nineteen o nine is chronologically the last of the victorian poets as an artist in technique having perfect command of all old english verse forms 
and a remarkable faculty for inventing new he seems at the present time to rank among the best in our literature indeed as stedman says before his advent we did not realize the full scope of english verse this refers to the melodious and constantly changing form rather than to the content of swinburne's poetry at the death of tennyson in eighteen ninety two he was undoubtedly the greatest living poet and only his liberal opinions his scorn of royalty and of conventions and the prejudice aroused by the pagan spirit of his early work prevented his appointment as poet laureate he has written a very large number of poems dramas and essays in literary criticism but we are still too near to judge of the permanence of his work or of his place in literature those who would read and estimate his work for themselves will do well to begin with a volume of selected poems especially those which show his love of the sea and his exquisite appreciation of child life his atalanta in caledon eighteen sixty four a beautiful lyric drama modeled on the greek tragedy is generally regarded as his masterpiece in all his work swinburne carries tennyson's love of melody to an extreme and often sacrifices sense to sound his poetry is always musical and like music appeals almost exclusively to the emotions we have chosen somewhat arbitrarily these four writers mrs browning d g rossetti morris and swinburne as representative of the minor poets of the age but there are many others who are worthy of study arthur hugh clough and matthew arnold note arnold was one of the best-known poets of the age but because he has exerted a deeper influence in our literature as a critic we have reserved him for special study among the essayists End of note who are often called the poets of skepticism but who in reality represent a reverent seeking for truth through reason and human experience frederick william faber the catholic mystic author of some exquisite hymns and the scholarly john keble author of the christian year our best-known book of devotional verse and among the women poets adelaide proctor jean ingelow and christina rossetti each of whom had a large admiring circle of readers it would be a hopeless task at the present time to inquire into the relative merits of all these minor poets we note only their careful workmanship and exquisite melody their wide range of thought and feeling their eager search for truth each in his own way and especially the note of freshness and vitality which they have given to english poetry End of section fifty four